Wow. What a, man, what an exciting weekend. I have to tell you that I have waited for years to preach this message. I believe probably it's the most important message I've communicated in 42 years of ministry. I have never been more excited about the future, more excited about faith promise, more excited about what we believe God is going to do than right now. If you're a guest this weekend, we're thrilled that you came to worship with us. Welcome to all of our campuses. What an incredible day it has been and it's going to continue to be. God behind bars, men and women, we love you. We're praying for you. We believe in you. And uh, we can, when you get out, come on over. Let us, let, let, let us meet you in person. Also, we have guests this weekend. We're glad that you're here, friends of Zach and Rachel's. And it's a great weekend. Today, we pass the baton of spiritual leadership to the next generation. Come on, so that's right. Months ago, I called a friend of mine who helps book our Israel trips, and I said, hey, I need a piece of olive wood from Jerusalem, from Israel. So he brought me a four-by-four piece of olive wood that weighed like a 1,000 pounds. And so we had some of, our, some of our promisers, our winning team, cut it down, lathe it, and uh, it is very heavy. It says, Zach Stevens, Senior Pastor, August 20th, 2023, Zachariah, is his name, Zach, chapter four, verse six, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so we're gonna pass that baton today. Now, as we, we talk about a relay race, we, we know if you've ever watched track and field that the most critical part of a relay race is the passing of the baton from the runner to the one that will be behind him. It is critical that the runner that is running come in at top speed, that the receiver is at top speed when they hand the baton off and you keep running. If you drop the baton, you're disqualified. If there is a space and a place on the track that is from here to here, and if you do not pass the baton in the right place and space, you're disqualified. Most churches, the guy waits to way over here. The church is dying and then he wants to pass it to somebody. Does that make sense? Now, passing the baton, as I worked on this message, is not a perfect illustration. Because in a relay race, when that runner passes the baton, his race is over. Can I tell you something? Me and Michelle, we ain't done. We got gas in the tank. We're moving forward. Man, we are not slacking off. I am not retiring. I'm repositioning. People walk up to me all the time. Oh, how's retirement? I don't know. I'm not retiring. <laughs> and so we're, Michelle and I, we're, we're working with a group of people to pay the debt off. We're adding value to Faith Promise to some of our global ministry partners. We're doing more travel training soul winners, training leaders. We are, we are moving into the greatest area of multiplying ministry that she and I will ever have in our lives. Are y'all with me? It's just the way God planned it out. Now, at Faith Promise, we are wholly and absolutely and positively committed to the next generation. Now, I want you to understand something. 
when there is a passing of the baton, when there's a transition, whether it's a church, a ministry, a business, or even a country, it rarely goes well. People still arguing about the last presidential election. They argued about the one before it and the one before it and the one before it. They'll argue about the next one. It doesn't matter who wins or who the losers are going to argue about the election. Are you with me? Transitions are very difficult. So but churches are, are, are no exception. Most churches, like 99.99% of all churches, are what I call a one-generation church. That means somebody plants it or a new pastor comes in, blows up, reaches thousands of people, build buildings, they have an incredible run, then he retires, gets hit by a bus, whatever happens, and the church spends the next 50 years talking about how great it was when old brother so-and-so was here. Well, let me tell you, God's name is I, I was, his name is I am. We don't want yesterday's manna, we want today's manna, fresh anointing, fresh move of God. So I made the decision in the late 90s not exaggerating, the late 90s, that as I watched senior pastors stay too long, grow, 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 plateau, then the church crashes down, they leave about right here, and folks wonder why this guy didn't succeed. Well, you can't take something in free fall and be in a, after a guy's been there 25 or 30 years expect to fix that, are you with me? Here, I always said, I'm leaving right here, and we're gonna go here. Y'all with me? That's about the kingdom of God. It's not about me. It's about the kingdom. And so I made that decision. Most churches, again, pastors take too long. And what that is is what I call a one-generational view of the kingdom. At Faith Promise, we have a next-generation mindset. From generation two, from generation two. Now, if, you were, if you're in the Bible reading plan with us, which I hope you are, if you're not on our plan, I hope you're on your plan. Because if you're not on a plan, I like my plan better than your plan. <laughs> and so last week we were in the book of Nehemiah. I love Nehemiah. Incredible spiritual leadership and incredible victory in spiritual warfare. I love it. But one thing always gets me when I come to it. Every Bible I have, it's circled. In chapter 3, they begin to build the wall. that has been broken down for almost 100 years. So they start building this wall, and it's what it says, and next to him they built. Next to him they made repairs. Next to them repairs were made. Next to them the wall was restored. Next to them repairs. Next session adjoining the section, and next to him, and next to him, and next to him, and beside him, and next to him. And there's plenty, plenty more of those. Y'all see a pattern? See, we're building the kingdom of God or y'all next to each other. Does this make sense? The reason that Nehemiah could do what was considered a miraculous task, which was rebuild the wall in 52 days, is because A, they had the favor of God, and B, the people had a mind to work. And so they built this part and this part and this part. They built next to each other. Next, we've got to maintain that same attitude. We have the favor of God, but we've got to keep the same faith of the founders that we're willing to do whatever it takes to win people far from God. Does that make sense? Are you with me? And so we're, like Nehemiah built a wall, we're building a wall. 
harder than I thought it was going to be first service. I learned it. Now, I'm a jackleg builder. Not a great builder, but I, I do some stuff. And so the first, the, the, first walk, the first part is the foundation that Jesus laid. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, for there is no other foundation which we can lay other than that which was laid by Christ. It's the cross. It's the word of God. Are y'all with me? Six. It's the, it, and so we're not trying to build on anything else. We're building on the word of God. And so this is, this is the foundation Jesus laid, right? Okay, then came at Faith Promise, the founders, 28 years ago, they built on what Jesus started. In fact, Jesus said, greater works than I did will you do. And so those crazy radicals, founders, believed that God was going to do something incredible. They actually believed God for a greater than faith. Does that make sense? They believed him for a greater than. Do we? Do we? So we've got to be able to do what the founders did. And they built this incredible evangelistic, soul winning, mobilizing congregation. They trusted God. They believed God. Now, if you have any idea about building, you're sitting there thinking, obviously the pastor is not a structural engineer. because you don't invert a pyramid. What's gonna happen? It's gonna fall down. So this, this, this is a spiritual building, not a natural building. And in a spiritual building, let me ask you a question. What would it be like if every generation doubled the last? What would it be like if we all decided, man, we're gonna, we're going to stick in there. We're going to win the next generation. We're going to do something incredible. Because, see, I believe that's the will of God. I believe it's the will of God for every generation to surpass the last generation. Anybody believe that with me? Now, the founders are right. Come on, somebody give him praise. The founders are radical. So we have the church that Jesus built. Then we have the church that the founders built on top of what Jesus had already laid. And now we have a choice. <coughs> What's the next generation going to do? Are y'all with me? See, from generation two, from generation two, this is the heart of the kingdom. One generation builds on the next. Abraham trained Isaac. Isaac trained Jacob. Jacob trained his 12 sons. Moses trained Joshua. And the next generation thrived, moved into the promised land, and was blessed beyond favor. But Joshua did not prepare a successor. And the next generation forgot Jehovah God and began to worship idols. So you listen, if you listen, say I am. There is no success without a successor. Jesus said in John 15, I would that you bear much fruit 
and that your fruit should what? Remain. See, founders, my generation, fruit remaining means the next generation is gonna launch off right here and win more people and build a greater, just, I mean, the greatest church this today at Pentecost. Is anybody in for some of that? Come on, that's the deal. God is a multi-generational God. His name is, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Over 300 years, he's a multi-generational God. Now, we've been talking, elders and prayer team and everybody, about a double portion, double portion. Most of you know that comes from the story of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was the man of God, and God spoke to him and said, go find Elisha and, have, and train him to be the next prophet after you. He did. Shows up at Elisha's house. He is plowing a field with 12 yoke of oxen. That's a man right there. Can you imagine a plow being pulled by 24 oxen? And he throws his mantle, his cloak, he throws his cloak over him. Elisha knows what that means and says, I will follow you. Now, fast forward a few decades, and Elijah is, knows his time is near. Elisha knows his spiritual father is about to leave. So Elijah asks Elisha, hey, I'm getting ready to leave, go to heaven. What do you want? And he said, oh, that's easy. Double what you got. That's a bold ask, isn't it? And Elijah said, wow, dude, dang. That's, that's serious. He said, I tell you what. If you see me when I leave, you'll get what I got double. He follows him. Elijah tries to get him to leave. He won't. He's on him, man. He's after him. Elijah is standing. The two men are standing there. The fiery chariot sweeps in and divides the two men. Elijah is taken to heaven in a whirlwind. And as he is going up, his mantle falls down to Elisha. Elisha picks up the mantle, rolls it up, walks back and strikes the Jordan River. It divides in half and he walks through on dry ground. And the prophet said, the spirit of Elijah is on Elisha. Not just the spirit, he did exactly double the miracles that Elijah did. He had a double portion. Are you with me? It's incredible. One problem. Elisha didn't train a successor. He was a spiritual son. He watched it, but he didn't get any spiritual sons. And because of that, the nation of Israel suffered. Myself, many others, have. I've walked with Zach for his whole life. Michelle, we've, we've walked with him. Other men of God have walked with him. And we believe that he's ready to step into the role of the senior leadership. Now, will he do things a little crazy? Yes, that's from his mother's side of the family. <laughs> of course he will. Will he say things maybe he shouldn't say? Of course he will. See, y'all weren't around when I did that. I did it when we had 300 people, 400 people. 
I said the most stupid, asinine things you have ever heard in your life. And people come and say, you realize what you said? No, what did I say? I didn't say that. Would you like to hear the tape? <laughs> we got a cassette. <laughs> we got a cassette. I said, I couldn't have said that. Yeah, oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Email. Well, I got snail mail. There wasn't an email back then. So I got snail mail. It was, it was crazy. So we do believe the elders. Now, let me, let me hasten to say, I don't own this church. This ain't my church. This is God's church. And this church was not mine to give to Zach. These men sitting down here, the elders of Faith Promise, it is their role to, to, to uh, decide on who will follow me. And for three years, they walked with Pastor Zach encouraging, helping, adding value until they said, hey, we believe it's time, Pastor. We are with you. Now, I want to remind you, Michelle and I are not going anywhere. I should be praying for you every morning in the barn. I'll just have a little more time to pray. <laughs> we love you. We want to be here with you. We don't want to miss a second of what God's about to do because we believe that we've set this thing up for a Holy Ghost explosion. We believe we set this up to absolutely set the kingdom on fire because it is God's will that the church grow every generation. Is this Christian history? No. No, it is not. So, but let me tell you what we're not going to do. If you're listening, say I am. We are not going to spend the next 25 years talking about how great it was when Dr. Big Daddy was the pastor. That is not what we're going to do. We are moving forward. The best is yet to come. The greatest miracles, the greatest ministry, the greatest revival, the greatest souls yet to come. So when I'm thinking about this, I said, well, me and Michelle, we're going to transition into spiritual grandparents. Grandparents. And I had someone stop me last year or so who's been here for 25 years, he said, Pastor, you have been the voice of God in my life for 25 years. What am I going to do? I said, not a thing. I'll still be the voice of God in your life. You won't hear it quite as often. Are you with me? But you're going to hear it. I'll still be here. You got my cell number. Call me. Amen. If we was good preaching, I got to come back. And so it is. Uh, <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, but listen, what we want to do we want a double portion to the next generation. Not where we are, we want a double portion. See, Elisha was a double portion son, but he was a nearsighted father that kept it all to himself. Did not pass that anointing on to any sons or daughters. We want more for you than that, Michelle and I, the elders. We want more for you than that. Elisha is on his deathbed. The king of Israel comes and says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, what are we going to do now? How are we going to get direction? You've told us what God is going to do. And what he should have said is, I got this guy right here, but he didn't. He died and left a massive vacuum and took the double portion to the grave with him. And instead of a fire revival sweeping Israel, there was a huge sucking sound on the vacuum that Elisha left. Again, what if every generation doubled the last? Double anointing, 
double miracles, double leadership, double souls, double revival. See, and when Elisha died, the double portion anointing was laying in a tomb, not resting on a son. How do we know that, Pastor? It's very easy. Years after Elisha died, there's a battle going on. Guy gets killed. They can't bury him, so they throw him in the tomb of Elisha. And as soon as he touched Elisha's bones, he came back to life and he walked out. That double portion went to the grave with him. It didn't go on somebody else. What if we doubled? Impact. Kingdom impact. Are y'all with me? So, so I'm moving. Rolls. We're not leaving. I'm because, and, and folks, are you okay? Listen, who I am is not based in the role I fill. Who I am is a Christ follower. Roles come and go, assignments come and go. But every day when I wake up, I look into heaven, has to be filled with the Spirit of God, and I'm going to do what He wants me to do today. Are you with me? It's not tied to my title. It's not tied. And so I'm going to move to the sidelines. I'll still be serving. Michelle and I will. I'll be on the sidelines. But we are raising up another generation. Listen, and right here, founders, and some of you next generation that are a little older, it's time for many of you to step in the roles of spiritual fathers and mothers because the young adults are, have not been spiritually parented. And they need men and women who've been battle-tested, who, whose marriages have tested, have walked a test of fire, who have served God, who know the word, to walk beside these young couples and these young adults and say, this is the way to go, walk with me. I'm gonna put my arm around you. I'm gonna put my hands on you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk with you. Does that make sense? Again, what did the king say? Elisha, my father, my father. Because he was the spiritual dad to the nation. But he left them as orphans. We need spiritual parents shepherding the next generation to the greater things ministry that God wants to do. Greater kingdom impact. Does this make sense? Now, again, I've watched Pastor Zach prepare for this since he was a teenager, cleaning pee off the slides as a part-time janitor. And I think it's incredible that there wasn't a lower rung for him to start on. If there was, he would have done it. I watched him humble himself. I watched him serve people. I watched him I watched him stay in the word of God when the other two got married and moved away and it was Zach was the only one that was left, although they keep coming back. Um, <laughs> Zach, I watched him in that basement in the word of God when some of his friends decided they were gonna, they were gonna sway away. Zach said, I'll, I'll, go, I'll just go without friends. I'll go without friends. Jesus is gonna be my friend. Are y'all with me? I watched him sacrifice, I watched him pay the price. I watched him work all day and go to, go to school in the evenings. and do. I watched him prepare and prepare. I watched him pray. I watched him humble himself. And now we believe that God has prepared him for today. He's been faithful. Now, let me tell you, on my staff, he has served me for 16 years, faithfully doing everything I told him to do. I will now serve him faithfully as my pastor. Y'all with me? That's what we're going to do. And so I'm asking you to go all in for the next generation. Are you, does that make sense? Come on, Zach, elders, you guys come on up, make your way up here as we get ready.
We're going to anoint him with oil, lay hands on him about the head, neck, and shoulders. Come on, guys. Oh, the elders over there. So we're getting to pray. Rather, the chairman of our older elders anoints him with oil. By your spirit, God. By your spirit, God. Not by mind. Not by power. By your spirit, God. Send your spirit, God. Not by mind. Not by power, by your spirit, God. Send your spirit, God. Not by mind, by your spirit. Send your spirit, God. Send your spirit, God. Father God, we come to you now in the strong name of Jesus. We set apart your man, even as the Spirit spoke and said, set apart uh, Paul and and Barnabas, for the work that I have, you've called Zach to be set apart as a man of God, to lead this move of God, so we anoint him with oil. We surround him, these elders, these pastors, these, these, these men and women of God, and we ask you, Lord, to give him a double portion. We ask you, God, to sweep through. We ask you, God, to be a wall of fire around him and the glory in his midst. We ask you, God, to be there be no holes in the hedge that you put around he and Rachel and those kids. We ask you, God, to give him ears to hear what the Spirit says. That you say, here's the way, Zach, walk in it. That he will follow you and he will lead us. That he will walk in it. And so, God, we believe this is your time. We believe, God, that you're going to do it. So, Lord, as we, as we just stay in an attitude of prayer right now, would you let your glory, your anointing, fall on him. Spirit, breathe. Come and breathe on us. Spirit, breathe. Come and breathe on us. Spirit, breathe. Come and behalf of the elders, the church, Pastor Zach, we pray the spirit of the Lord upon you, that he would anoint you, that you would walk out in the ministry and the gifts that God's called you to. This city, this state needs the gifts that God's given you. And we're praying that the Lord would anoint those gifts so that he would do exceedingly and abundantly above all you could ever ask, think, or even imagine. 
that the anointing that falls upon you breaks every yoke and lifts every burden in this city that he takes you from glory to glory and truly that the latter days of the saints would increase and that this generation this next generation that we would follow you that we would follow you because you are led by the holy spirit as many are led by the spirit they are the sons of god and that we would follow the anointing the leadership the humility that you give us lord let it be done today on earth as it is in heaven amen can we give god some praise Thank you guys so much. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. Uh, it's hard to put into words the honor it is uh, just to be up here, much less to be able to uh, be senior pastor of Faith Promise. And when they said, hey, Zach, you can share for a few minutes. Me and mom read a book recently together uh, by Craig Rochelle uh, called Lead Like It Matters. And for 28 years, Faith Promise has had it. You know, we're about to baptize our 10,000th person. So many of us, our lives have been transformed here. We've been saved here. We've been filled with the Spirit here. We've been married here. We're raising our kids here. Like there's all these things that have happened because of the it that God has done. And, you know, whenever you get the privilege to step into a role like this, you think about, oh, my gosh, like this, this may only weigh three or four pounds, but, you know, whenever, what it represents feels like it weighs a million, right? And so the last couple weeks and really last year, as you pray about how do you steward it in the future? How do you think about it in the future? So I'm reading that book and I'm asking for a word from the Lord. And at the end of the book, it's, it, there's a chapter on how you keep it. And I can't wait for it. I'm like, oh gosh, how do we keep it? How, how can we keep it at Faith Promise? And, and I, I think the book hits it spot on. It says you find something and let God ruin you over it. Find something to let God ruin you over it. And for 28 years, faith promise has been ruined over people far from God, ruined over the lost, ruined over people who don't have a relationship with God. And I want to stand before you and make a commitment that faith promise will be ruined, ruined over two things. We will spend our money on two things. We will risk on two things. We will, we will put our people and our hopes and our dreams on two things. One, it will continue to be people who are far from God. People that we love and people that we don't even know yet who don't have Jesus as their Savior. We will continue to be ruined over that. We will continue to go to cities where we feel like God calls us, even if it doesn't make financial sense, strategic sense. Because if you're ruined, you just do it. We will be ruined over people far from God. And something that I believe that God has called us to be ruined over are believers who are living their life with nothing to show for their salvation. Christians who will stand before Jesus one day with empty hands and he'll say, what have you done with what I gave you? And they'll have to say, nothing. Not in our cities. 
not where faith promise exists, not where we are going to equip people to win their world and hear, well done, good, faithful servant. Faith promise will be ruined over people who don't know Jesus and helping people live for Jesus. And right here, Dad talked a lot about, and I know the scripture, and we know it, this foundation. And these, these founders, Dad talked a lot this whole time about, please put your shoulder to the work. Please don't get disengaged. Could I personally speak to the young adults, to the college students, and to the students? This is happening because they believe in us to lead. They believe in us to sacrifice. They believe in us to be wildly passionate and out of control first and foremost for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's make the sacrifice worth it. We will be ruined over people far from God and we will be ruined over helping people be equipped to win their world so that we can see a revival. So I'd love to take a moment and just the first time as a senior pastor talking in front of you and pray that God would anoint this work. Will you pray with me? God, we come before you right now and we just ask, we just say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to, and is to come. The earth is filled with your glory. This is your church. We're going after your kids. We're going after your soldiers. We're, go, we're, we're doing what you've called us to do, God, because we're desperate for people to know the love, the grace, the acceptance that only you can offer. So, God, we pray for a double portion. We pray that you would raise up young families and students and people, that, the, the next pastors and, see, and, and campus pastors and worship leaders. You would raise them up to do the work that you have called us to. God, we will be ruined over your kingdom coming and your will being done on earth as in heaven right now. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Can we give Jesus the best praise today though? Hey church, this is the time where we typically respond right with what the word of God has taught us. And we respond in worship because he's worthy. But God's given us a great opportunity this weekend. Would you just stand to your feet? At every campus, we're all linked up together as one campus this weekend. And what we want to do is in worship to the Lord for the great things he's done and he's going to continue to do. We want to pray over this family because let me tell you, it's a family effort. And the same grace and the same love that you gave our family and our kids growing up, because it gets heavy. There's a lot of things that happen to the pastor and his family that nobody knows about. And so will you as a church, will you link our faith with ours? And let's put a hedge of protection around this family and what God wants to do. So just stretch your hand out, every campus, stretch your hand out towards this family as we pray for them. Prayers back, and you will end. 
are the same, God. You are the same.